99 drinks still left to go Welcome all in and enjoy the show It's me though, I'm the host You know, so sit back, relax, grab a snack and let's go Fano, no my hooky my welcome back to the 99 dreams podcast this is your first time listening i'm Rauri. i'm your host and you found the 99 dreams podcast to all my regular listeners welcome back Fano. glad to have you here today we've got a very special guest joining us he is hayden nelson's flatmate and he is currently residing up there in tamaki makoto up in auckland and he is from the dirty south so let's give a warm welcome Fano, to ashton ashton what's good brother welcome to the show Thanks, bro. Honestly, uh, yeah, as I was saying to you before, it's uh, it's pretty cool seeing you got the starter. Um, and I always like um, getting behind and supporting people who are, you know, pursuing their own thing. So it's very uh, cool to be invited on as a guest as well, making me feel real special, way. Eh? Oh, but uh, no one else I'd rather have on here, man. I'm glad you were keen to support. And nothing but love for you, brother. Nothing but love. So welcome to the 99 Dreams Whānau, brother. We are so glad to have you here, man. But before we get into it, can you give us a bit of a call why Norway, who you are and where you're from? Yeah, so um, born and bred, as you said, in the dirty south and um, in a wee town called Balclutha, so our south of um, our south of Dunners, um, town of about 4,000 people, um, so grew up down there just in, in the small wee town, doing what you normally get up to in, in small towns, going down to the skate park, grabbing yourself a... Um, the longest drink in town from the local milkshake shop, uh, entertaining yourself with some, um, how should I say, trying to like versing someone on a game of skate, going down to the river off the local rope swing, just like doing whatever you can to cure your boredom from living in a small town. Um, so that's me. Obviously, yeah, grew up there, made the big shift up to Dunners um, to do university uh, and um, was kind of like throwing up a couple of options like, what should I do? Where should I go? Felt like Dunners was a good option. Heard the student lifestyle was good and um, kind of just ran with that. And then met a, met a cool group of people there who kind of led me on a different journey away from your, your high school life. And then um, from there, kind of bounced around New, um, New Zealand a bit, like lived in Dunners, Hawke's Bay, like Napier, and then down to Welly, and now obviously up here in Tamaki Makoto. So seen all the sights, eh? Pretty much the North Island, and now all my mates say, "Oh, you've lost the, you don't roll your R's anymore. What's happened?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I can get that back. Purple work shirt and all that carry on." But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I'm liking the. Well, I say I like the weather up here, but we've just had flooding, so um, the weather is definitely warmer than it is down south. I can attest to that, bro. It's so much nicer up here. It's not as grey, minus the flooding at the moment, but yeah. it is a lot warmer than it was back down south. 100%. 100%. So, bro, what was it like um, having that transition from a small town? Like, growing up, did you spend much time in Dunedin? Or was that kind of like a, oh, we don't really go there kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like um, Dunners was you put on your nicest outfit and uh, head up to the big smoke. So Dunners was there big smoke. <laughs> so yeah, we might like Christmas time go out for Christmas shopping. Um, like as a kid, going to like Moana Pool, um, go down the Hydra Slide, Chipmunks, Maccas, the movies if you're lucky. Like that was the ultimate day out as a kid because 
you leave a small town like Kloof, the, the highlight is going to Subway for lunch. So you get Maccas in town, you're like, dang, this is it. Give me that six-pack chicken nuggets. Give me that happy meal toy. We're on. Um, and I'm like, yeah, definitely um, the job's done as a bit. And obviously with sport through school as we're growing up, we'd, you'd make sort of regular trip-ups to like compete against town schools or um, things like that. But yeah, I tell you, it was um, a bit of a jump. Hey, going from the small town to even like Dunners, which isn't a massive city, but you kind of go from being the big the big fish and a small pond to being um, the small fish in a big pond. Shit, yeah, it's a, it's a big transition. Hey, like myself, I'm from a small town, so um, my first big move was to Wellies, and yeah, that was just whoa, fast paced, but I, yeah, yeah. I fell in love with that that city life. I like the fast pace, like. I enjoy the slow, you know, small town vibes, but mm. oh, that fast-paced city life—it's—it's it's fun, eh? Hundred percent, especially like your like. I found like your eyes just get like kind of like widened. That you're like, wait, what? There's all these different kinds of people out there. There's all these different groups. Like, you can play different sports that aren't just rugby or netball. Like, you can learn different languages that aren't just like English. Or you can like there's because. We weren't, you weren't exposed to that in a small town, are you? you just get your, um, you got your local rugby team, you've got a football team, you've got your like um, token French class at school, like you don't have <laughs> this like range or diverse group of people. So it was kind of cool, like you get exposed to that and even just going from Kota to Dunedin. And I think especially because of the university scene as well. So yeah, big jump, yeah. big jump. Yeah, bro, could definitely can definitely attest to it. It's nerve-wracking too, eh? What were some of the things that you were feeling when you made that jump initially? Well, you kind of like go from high school where you're year 13, you're top dog. Like, I was lucky enough to be like head boy of my school. So you kind of get in this point where like, you feel like you're on top of the world. You're invincible. Like, you're an 18-year-old boy. You got your, you can go buy alcohol. You can go and put some money on the pokies. Like, life's good. And then you're like, right. I'm going to this other place where everyone else is 18, just turned 18, like, everyone's just come from being the head honchos of their own school, and you're kind of, like, scrapping it out, like, where's, who's, how's the hierarchy going to work here, like, what's going to go on, um, and, yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting, uh, interesting, interesting dynamic, especially, like, you go into the halls, I was at Arana, Arana is a place where you got a lot of, probably, like, uh, how do I say it nicely, people who are, um, <laughs> You know, like our privilege and have come from big big schools or they've come from good positions or they've been successful in sport. So, yeah, you really get uh, opened up and seeing that there's some pretty uh, talented and smart and awesome people out there. And you're kind of like, well, this is humbling, eh, in the first instance. <laughs> but um, but it's also makes you appreciative of, like, you know, it, it, it's humbling for a good reason as well. Oh, shit, yeah, like... You soon realize, eh, like, as much as you know and as, like, talented as you are, there's someone else out there that's just a little bit more smarter and a little bit more talented than what you are. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's, like, you're like, it's kind of, this is kind of cool, eh? And you learn stuff from other people and, yeah, it's just an um, yeah, eye-opening experience, eh, which is cool. And so would you say that you're a natural leader and, you know, you always seem to be in these leadership positions coming as a head boy through high school and then um, on the student exec through the PE school and stuff like that? Is that something that just naturally gravitates towards you or? I think, um, yeah, I think it probably comes from, I don't know when it comes from, but like I used to love like, um, like growing up when I was little, I'd always like to like organize games for my mates. I'd like 
was always in the local like school productions and doing stuff. So probably comes from just like, I don't know if it's seeing people above me who have done it um, and then being like, oh, that's cool. I want to be in that position. I like to be able to like have make decisions or do this for other people. I kind of like do it from the perspective of putting stuff on for others or doing stuff for others is the way I like to see it. Um, sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. You know, as when you're in leadership positions, some people are like, oh, you did a good job or you didn't do a good job. So yeah, I kind of think that I, yeah, I just enjoyed being a part of the group where people are like bouncing ideas off each other. Um, people are coming to you asking questions, um, sort of thing. So yeah, no, I think I've always yeah, from even from a young age, yeah, it's been a part of part of me that I've always been quite keen on. Just driven and just out there like, nah, I'm I'm gonna go grab this by the horns and just give my best shot. Yeah, kind of like you know when people you're in a in a group and you're like, oh, I don't really know what to do. Or, like what what should we get up to? It's like right when you do something, let's put it a, get an action plan going. Let's put this get an A into G sort of thing. Um, and I sort of feel like I just need, like always want to take on that role. Maybe because I just can't sit still. Got to go go go. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a bit of that sprinkled yeah. in with a lot of your charisma. Yeah, maybe I don't know. <laughs> it does definitely help um, having that charismatic aspect to leadership because. You're able to convey your messages in a way that people see it as a solution to an issue rather than you're just trying to take over and take control of everything all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the balance, eh? Like, you don't want to be this person who comes in like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It's kind of like, what do you guys want? Here's what I think. Let's come up with a collaborative idea, which sounds easy, but isn't always easy, yeah. Definitely sounds so much easier. Like in your head, you're like, bro, this is it. This is what we've got to do. We'll tell them how it is and then Yeah. And I think when you're when when you're younger as well, like you're a little bit more um probably less self aware and more selfish. So you just kinda like, now we're doing this, this is my decision, this is my ball, we're playing this sport. I'll take this ball away and then you have no ball, like and (laughs) kind of begin as you grow up, you're like, Oh, people have feelings too, eh? Like got to be like, got to be empathetic towards people and I've got to consider other people and you kind of learn, the more you learn about people and how they work, the more kind of critical you become about your own leadership style as well, I think. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's like, you've, I think anyway, this is my opinion, to be a decent leader, not a good leader, a great leader, a decent leader, you've got to be able to leave room for your peers to grow as much as you want to lead and if you can find a way to have that empathy towards them and they're going to be more like, like more inclined to be like, Oh yeah, no, nah, I'm keen as to do that. It yeah. worked so great last time. Let's roll with Ashton's plan again. Yeah. Yeah. But I love like whenever someone asks me a question, like I love just asking a question back, like rather than giving an answer to that question, being like, this is what I think. It kind of always ends up with like, Oh, you know, this is what I think. It depends. What do you think? Like, I'm always throwing it back to the other person. So that's kind of the leadership style that I've always like, like taken on. I suppose that is like, mm, let's get everyone else's idea and then we'll form a, form a, an answer or an idea off that. That's a great way to um, bring in that collaborative effort by just continuously using questions to formulate your yeah. nice solution. Because sometimes people are always focus on, oh, how do I do this? Well, this is how you do this, like yeah. this. Yeah, and yeah, it kind of feels like a dictatorship rather than like a collaborative effort to lead yeah 100%, 100%. 
What's one of the biggest lessons that you learned throughout your leadership journeys through high school, university, into now? Um, I guess it was like probably that kind of that the collaborative effort works sometimes, but sometimes you need to like better put your foot down and be like, "This is what we're doing," because then you end up just twiddling your thumbs. Everyone's just kind of twiddling their thumbs, like no one wants to speak up. But then it's also about like making an environment where people want to feel comfortable to speak, I guess, as well. Because I've been like in so many, you know, you're like in a work meeting and someone asks a question and like no one wants to say anything. Like, you just, it gets a bit awkward and stuff. And you're like, oh, I want to say something, but I'm a bit nervous about what, what the manager or what my boss or what some what my peers are going to say. So I like like creating an environment where people feel like it's comfortable to have a discussion and it's not like a conscious like, oh, I need to like unmute my mic now and speak. It's like, put your input in, feel feel free to speak up whenever you want. Like there's no, you're not going to interrupt anybody. It's just like speak when it's your turn as opposed to like it being like a formal sort of situation. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's just my experience with it. It's so important, eh, to have an environment where you feel like you're allowed to speak and have an opinion because yeah. those environments where you kind of feel like, I want to say something, but am I allowed? Like, should I say something? It feels real tense, say. Eh? Yeah, definitely, yeah. And it's hard, it's hard to, I think when you're, you might be talking to a group or you might be organising an event, you kind of, some people do it really well and they're naturally like, oh, yeah, there's a natural pause in the conversation. Here, yeah, it's your time to speak. We time to add in. But some people like just go, 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 go. Information <laughs> overload. Here you go. I'm talking, and then they're done. And everyone's like, "Holy smoke!" That was like information overload. Like what just went on? I didn't even have a chance to speak. So yeah, that probably as well. Like learning that as much as my voice and some of my information I'm saying matters, it's probably better to hear hear from everybody else what they're thinking, and then sort of figure out a solution from that. Like, hear their problems, hear their questions, and then try and answer them as best you can. I definitely could use a, a bit more of that myself because sometimes I'm just a motor mouth going mile a minute and then at the end of it, you're like, Yeah. <laughs> a little bit yeah. more and everyone's like... Well, I just have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I It's hectic. So what kind of mahi are you into now? What, what are you doing these days? Um, so... Kind of like since uni, um, so I was working at Unipol. That was like my last year at uni. And then um, from there, it was kind of like, I don't know. I think I was like ready to leave Dunners a little bit. Um, but then you leave it and you miss it, eh? I was like, so I like, <laughs> I was like, I'm ready to leave Dunners. Probably could have stayed another year. Anyway, left Dunners, went up to Hawke's Bay and worked for New Zealand Rugby on their like concussion concussion management sort of protocol for the rugby like rugby clubs and rugby schools which was real real cool because and that was kind of the area i wanted to get into like sports science sort of area so that was awesome um did that for like a year in hawks bay and um really really enjoyed that place it was real cool relaxed as city like hot especially coming from London, like you had the sun it was warm it was, it was awesome um and then kind of like did that for a year thought right i'm, I'm that's like kind of got the knack of that came for my next challenge and a, and a job as a um, exercise physiologist come up with with a rehab company called proactive so i applied for that and i was asking for like two years of experience um this and that and i was like 
oh, I don't really have two years of experience, but I can probably make my CV look like I've got one year. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just trying to like, oh yeah, I've worked in uh, worked with sport and sport for a year, worked in a gym for a year. That kind of counts as like two years experience. Um, they probably seen like through me, but I thought I was smart at the time. Um, <laughs> sent it off and then didn't really hear anything for a couple of months. Um, and then a couple of months later, they were like, oh, we're keen to interview. And I was like, oh, sweet. Like, kind of almost forgot about this job. And we got, had an interview and it, like with a couple of physios that worked at the company. And I was like, and we went pretty good. Like, stand, it was over Zoom and like having this interview. And like, I think I was in Auckland at the time. And um, just like sweating bullets, eh? Like, super hot. Like, <laughs> into about three liters of water gram interview. Like, really wanted this job. And then didn't hear anything for another month. I was like, oh, I haven't got it. Like, you know how you normally just get that we regret to inform you or we're sorry email. I was just waiting for that to come through. Then got another email being like, we want another guy to interview you. So I was like, all good. And then like, oh, it's the national manager. He wants to interview you. So I was like, oh, right. Like, I'll do that. <laughs> Found myself in like the public library in Hawke's Bay with my headphones on. Same issue today. These headphones didn't work. And I was like, I'm going to have to do this interview like in a library with no headphones on with this national manager of this company. So I was like, Sitting real close to the camera, like, ah, oh, yes, I'm in the library. <laughs> Gonna have to keep my down. Anyway, did the interview with him, and we just like had a mean yarn, pretty much, just about exercise and rehab and stuff, and it went really, really well. And then, um, yeah, a couple of weeks later, got offered the job, and then made the move down from um, Napier to Wellington, which is when I started with Proactive as an exercise physiologist, and I've just been doing that for the past sort of year and a half now. Um, and then last year, made the move up to Auckland. So yeah, that's my journey, my occupational journey. Bro, you've been a busy man. You've been all around these spaces and places. I know, exploring. <laughs> Which has been your favourite city to live in so far? Um, they're all good for different aspects. Eh? Like I, I really like Dunners is awesome because of the because of how the city's set up. Um, Studentville easy access to the gym, the basketball courts, um, to university, like it's all within 15 minutes, which is awesome. Then Hawke's Bay was cool. Like I think Hawke's Bay will be cool when you're like 35, you've got a couple of kids and you've settled down with the family because in winter, literally nothing happens there. Like to be fair, it was the year of the year after COVID. So things are still getting back into normality, but, yeah, like there was nothing going on. I was like, oh, this is all good in summer, but in winter it was pretty pretty quiet and pretty, um, yeah. So I was kind of like, out of all, like Dunners, Wally, Auckland, and Hawke's Bay, probably, yeah, enjoyed them all for different reasons. And loving Auckland at the moment because it's like so big with heaps to do. You kind of got all these um, surrounding areas that are really awesome as well to holiday at. Like you've got, um, Raglan, which is really close. You've got like um, Marikana up the road, which is really cool. So, yeah, I'd say at the moment I'm loving Auckland, but Dunners is hard to beat as well. Yeah, Dunedin. Dunedin's a great place to start. Like if anyone's looking for a big city to go to that's not too big and everything's accessible, Dunedin's the place. 100%. Uh, then I think if you're not quite looking for an Auckland, but you still want a big city vibe, I reckon Wellington. Yeah. Uh, and if you just want chaos and mayhem and activities all the time, then Auckland's the place to go. 100%. Yeah. Like, Wally was awesome, man. Like, it's, so, it's such a condensed city. 
um, it rains and it's windy a lot. But if you're like, you go to the pub, you go get some food, there's always stuff to do inside. Um, and yeah, it's just real kind of, it is like an, it's a nice step up from Dunners, I feel like. Wellington to Dunedin, kind of similar vibe. A few hills, CBDs there, young people around. Like it's, it's definitely a cool vibe. If you like craft beer, Wellington's awesome. Oh shit! Yeah, there's so much around for that. Oh yeah, yeah. Breweries everywhere. Eh? It's a great distraction. Yeah, hundred percent, So you kind of briefed over that you you think you may have left Dunedin a little bit too early. Well, yeah. Why is that? Um, I think I was just like trying to get a kickstart on my career and being like, you know, got to get out and work, make some money and all that. Um, when in reality, like you kind of get into the workforce and you're like, wow, I could have done uni for a few more years. Hey, that lifestyle was me. <laughs> um, so there was that. I think the the like research group that I was in, like the Cotter Lab research group was pretty probably didn't realize it at the time, but it's a pretty special group of people who are like intelligent, kind, caring, uh, inclusive, um, and kind of make you feel like you're a little bit of a family, which I think from all my workplaces, I've been comparing them back to that. And I don't think anything will ever compare to it again, like the setup that we had um, there. So that's probably like one reason I wish it an extra year there. Um, and the other thing is other things like you're close to home, like, yeah, my, my mum was down there, my grandparents are down there, like, um, it's kind of just like, would have been nice to spend a little bit more time down there, and there's so much to do down there as well, like, you got Central Otago, which is so close, you've got all the cool beaches, there's cool running trails, there's, like, the sporting scene down there is really, really cool, um, but yeah, just, I think Dunners gets a bad rap for a, it's cold winters, but it's a pretty epic city, yeah. Oh, 100%, bro, yeah. the people, the vibes, and just the whole feel of the place. Like it, when you're in it, cause you're studying down there. And I think the study is what gives it the bad rap for being cold yeah. and gray and gloomy is cause you're like, oh, I've got all these assignments too. I've got exams coming up. I've got this and I've got that, but you don't get time to truly appreciate the beauty that no, that's there. Cause yeah. man, it's beautiful down there. You got awesome. um, the Catlins and all that nearby. Yeah. No, it's cool. Cool city. And then I think, like, as you said, the people way like, everyone's you, you meet your group who are like-minded who have similar interests similar beliefs um and then you're just in your little bubble way like hate to use a covert term but you have your bubble of people <laughs> who um yeah who like you vibe with and they just they understand you you probably live with them for a few years or you've seen them every day at your lectures and they get you you get them everyone's keen on doing the same stuff um so yeah no it's cool everything's easy and done is it so yeah bro and i miss that too i miss it because it's it's a perfect place to go if you're a laid-back person who wants yeah. to study because i feel like wellington and auckland although i haven't studied at the universities there i feel like it'll be a little bit hectic up those ways mm. whereas it's really laid back and done it's like from the fashion to the just the attitude of the people is just really laid back 100 percent, bro the fashion eh? the fat pants to the lectures the fat pants to town <laughs> bro <laughs> Yes, really it's, it's cool. I think I was sat in uh, at DSC with slides, socks, and um, shorts with a hoodie one night, just <laughs> having beers with the boys. Like it's super casual. Hundred percent, bro. It's so good, eh? And you like, yeah, you just see the the battlers in town as well. Like, 
same kit in their high vis or in whatever way. <laughs> yeah, bro. It's good times, man. You touched on that that community that you had at um, uni with Jim and the rest of that orpu. Yeah. Can you elaborate a, a bit more on on the significance of that? Because it was a it was a tight group. Whenever yeah. we seen you guys out there, it looked like a tight unit. Yeah. No, I think um, like because you're there to learn as well. Like learning is obviously very very important, but they just make make the learning seem so seamless. Like. And it's not even learning that that you would consider like university. Like we had a session with Jim once and um, we were supposed to be planning out our honours or something and we ended up for like half an hour learning how to tie different knots. And I'm like, <laughs> what? How, how does this happen? Like, why are we learning this? So there's like, you learn that, you learn how to be like a good person, you learn like good values. Um, you get, Then you go, get to go like on ski trips with or like cross-country skiing, which you never get to do. You go on like a hike. You go on trail runs, you get invited over potluck dinners. Like it just feels like everyone's there in this close knit sort of mini society um, where everyone's learning every like new stuff every day, and it's not really always related to exercise or related to health. It's just kind of like learning how the world works um, and how to, I guess, get the most out of it. I don't know. It was really cool. Real cool. Yeah, well, it sounds like um, you guys learn life lessons as opposed to theoretical lessons. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's like probably a whole degree, like the whole PE degree. Um, as much as the content was fantastic, it's like learning how to live a good life and be a good person so that in whatever job you find yourself into, you're going to be successful because you've got these core values that come from the PE degree because of all the people in the PE school who make it such a unique and, and cool place. You know when you like before you go to university and you're like, oh, you hear all these stories like our oh, PE school is going to change you, like makes you such a good person. Then you go through it and you're like, man, I actually am changed. There, I'm not the same person that we know. Like, what do you guys do to me? Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Yeah, it really does change you. Mm. I feel like it humbles a lot of people too. I come in like hella cocky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I think that that's normal coming into uni like that. The way, like, I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna piss up every Saturday night with the boys. I'm gonna do this and do that. But yeah, I think you did. Yeah, you definitely have like a rewiring yeah, to change your values and change what's important. Yeah, and it's definitely that whole who you surround yourself with. Definitely, definitely. I used to always freak me out. Um, when we were in the old Tukoronga room at the, at the PE school, we used to see you guys um, out there on your Tuesday afternoons. Man, oh. like some of us were like, nah, shit, they're all out there. We're just going to close the door and stay in this room and wait till they're gone. Because yeah. it's just, it feels like everyone just goes and then waves and then we're just like, oh, hey. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been awesome. Like, I always felt like like TK, like Tukoronga and the Cotter Lab, like on the same vibe. And that, like, we're always kind of like, I'm trying to, I'm, this is the weird analogy that I've got on my head, but you know when you're like, at a party and they're like, there's a person you're into and you're like, oh, I want to, that person might be into me. And kind of like there's two people at a party who are like, I want to go talk to them, but I'm too scared. This person wants to come talk to me, but I'm too scared because they're not sure if the other person's vibing it. I feel like that, that's the vibe that I always had with, like, Tikoronga because I was like, well, we were like, oh, yeah, that's a cool group. We want to get in amongst that. They're into cool stuff. They got good values. 
we got good values. Maybe we can like combine our values and come up with super values. Like, <laughs> bro, we were kind of in the same boat, man. Because we'd always see you, and we were like, oh no, bro, I don't want to get out there. They're all out there. Then I'll have to talk, and I don't want to talk. Yeah. And it's harsh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially when it's a big group, eh? and you're like, oh, well, hi guys, what do I do now? Like, yeah. and talk to you guys individually. <laughs> yeah. I think the biggest barrier for us was like having your crew over there and we were like nah they're gonna ask us some hella science stuff and uh not today man not today i'm gonna go with hydrochloric acid that's the answer to your question i'm off yeah bro sodium see you soon yeah. <laughs> sodium see ya i gotta go i got um got some cope up to do yeah yeah but um no nah, i think that's yeah definitely like an interesting point out that these are two research groups that are doing very, very different things, but uh, a lot of beliefs and about how, how how life works are probably embedded in the same sort of stuff. We just have two different perspectives of, of achieving the same goal, which is like well-being, essentially, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think one of the biggest focuses of the koronga is um, not only creating academics and great academics, but academics who can go back into the community and fulfill the promises of their, their writing and research. And I feel like Jim is 100% on that same waka. Yeah, like, he, he wants to walk as much as he talks. Yeah. Sometimes more than he just gets up and does it and doesn't hear his <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think that more of that needs to be done, eh? And like, from a research point of view, to go and research it and then apply it, and you be the one to apply it. That's really, really cool. Yeah, it's it's hard though, eh? Because like oh, right. when you're writing in your thesis, you're like, oh yeah, these are what we can do. These are the solutions, and then actually trying to make it a thing, you're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, hundred percent, It's hard, eh? Shit, yeah. You're gonna convince people to listen to you as well. <laughs> yeah, that's the hardest part. I, I went through honors. And you know how, like, when people ask you what you do and you actually give them a full description of what you do? <laughs> Bro, by the end of honours, when people ask, I was like, no one actually really cares. They're just being polite. So I was like, I just do study, man. Just, you know, the usual. Yeah. Same old, same old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any moments like that? 100%. Like, uh, so my study was, like, you're doing, you're looking at muscle temperatures in your bicep. And then you're looking at whether heating up a muscle or cooling a muscle or not, not heating it up, changes what happens. And by the point, after you've said muscle temperature, people are normally tuned out. So you're like, um, just doing upper limb training. That's about it. And they see videos that I put up on my Instagram, and they're like, what are you doing? Why is that big rubber band there? What are you making this person put on? I'll, just, I'll, I'll send you my thesis when I finish it. You can read it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll send you all my articles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And read my lit review. That'll give you a good understanding. <laughs> yeah, man, was, it's a, it was a taxing year, eh? But a, a, such a cool year at the same time. Because it was a year of COVID. It would have been, it was COVID year for you, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I remember, because we were kind of in the same boat, I remember hearing stories about you because you'd like almost finished and I was like, ah, Raz almost done, like, I've got like 48 hours left or something. <laughs> I think because you were one of the, you were probably the first person to be finished out of a year group, weren't you? Nah, nah, it was um, Emma. Oh, was it? Yeah. 
and it was it was you me and tash that were working like right up until that monday morning that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Tough time, that, that, that sucked because remember we all went to the thing oh, we, did you come because yeah. we all went to umbrellas for a beer and then had to shoot back to <laughs> p school to finish right we like passed the hand and date Oh yeah, we're just gonna head back and like do some more edits on our thesis <laughs> after celebrating your hand. Yeah, we're like, oh cheers guys, congrats. And we're like, yep, no, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's what I don't miss. I do not miss that the four AM finishes in the PE school, bro. Did you yeah, get some... a couple of sleepovers there? Yeah, man, I did. Like one day, I did forty-two hours. <laughs> yeah, that's bro. Crazy. It was it was hectic, but I just had to get it done because I restarted my thesis like a month out, maybe two three weeks out from the deadline. Oh, I just really? didn't like where it was, yeah. and I couldn't pull pieces out of it. So I was like, ah, let's just start again. We'll put that over there, and we'll just rewrite this Erased. whole thing. Fire up! I don't recommend it, not one bit. <laughs> but that's it. Like when you become so engulfed and so passionate about something you'll do 42 hours of work on it because that's how much you care. Yeah. Like it's, it's pretty, pretty um, cool how that, how the mind works in that case. Cause you're like, this is mine. This is my baby. I will do what it takes to get this across the line. <laughs> yep. And you literally do almost anything and everything just to get it there. Yeah. I remember some of the nights, um, I'll be getting ready to go home on my bags packed. The lights are all turned off. The room's locked. And then I look over and see your guys' lights still on. I see you two in there, you and Tash. Yeah. And then I see your cars down there. I'm like, wow. <laughs> all right, turn around and go back in this room. Oh, Can't really? quit yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. So, so one of you guys uh, still going, motivated me to carry on. Oh, that's good, bro. That's good. We, um, Tash and I, we would I think towards the end day, we were like, we haven't exercised in so long. I'm eating crap food. Like my well-being's gone downhill. So we were riding one night, and then I think it was like just after midnight, like 1 a.m. We're like, let's go for a run. So Ash and I went out, ran down to like to the uh, the rowing club down by the along the harbour front. Ran down there like 1.30 in the morning. Seeing seeing people walking their dog as well. I'm like, oh well, we're not crazy. We're just the same as this. Did it turn around and come back? And I it was like one of the like defining moments of the honours was like we, we got our exercise done went back and smashed out another probably half an hour of work and then called it a day but <laughs> that was cool bro it's crazy eh? the things you do when you're in that space and for whānau entering you know any type of hand in periods let us know some of your craziest antics because that's up there with it <laughs> it's up there it is eh? and like you just function off limited sleep and now if I I reckon nowadays if I didn't have like at least my seven to eight hours of sleep, I'm calling in sick to work. I ain't going to work. But, but back in the day, you just I get up after four or five hours and you do just get. I know it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy how minimal food, minimal money, and minimal sleep you can operate on as a student. Like yeah. students could run the world with that kind of steam, man. I know, eh? Save everyone a lot of money, probably. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think was, you know, one of your biggest struggles um, throughout that honours year or even throughout entire university? I think um, in terms of university was that adjusting to the, to the um, like, small fish, big pond situation. Eh? Like, coming from that, it was real challenging and just kind of trying to find where you fit. Um, 
Because I think like always comparing yourself to other people, being like, "Oh, this person's like, did, this is their resume. Like that's pretty intense." Um, and you think that your resume is really, really cool, and like you've done this, you've done that, and then you compare yourself to others, you're like, "Oh, they're so much better than me. They're so much more amazing." So that was probably like the first semester, first year of uni, being like just figuring out where I fit in now. Where am I? Where am I settling into? Where's my crowd? And then even, yeah, finding my way in PE school, finding my way with my, like, I don't know, mates, with my sports and with my kind of, like, extracurricular stuff. Probably took that first year to adjust to that. And then once you're trying to get a few few more years of being comfortable, um, things start to figure themselves out. So that was probably my biggest challenge uni-wise. And then honours-wise, it was just that, like, if it wasn't for the lockdown, I don't know if I would have got through my honours year, eh? Like, <laughs> that was the secret blessing. But, yeah, it was probably just the the last month of having to make edits and not being having much sleep and um, not seeing, like, not spending time with my, like, girlfriend who, like, she's try- we're trying to have, you're trying to have a functioning relationship with, like, your friends, your partner, your family. And it kind of just all goes out the window because you're doing this, you got your little baby that you're working on. So that was probably the biggest challenge of that. And then, yeah, obviously the, the first year stuff as well. Because it is hard, man. It's a hard balancing act. Uni in general is a hard balancing act, but especially in that honours year, especially coming so close to hand and mm. because you're finishing up any assignments that, you, that are due for the papers. Uh, you've got to finalise all your data. You've got to have it analysed, written out and put on another page. And you're like, well, where do I have all this time? Yeah. Like, who has this much time? No, it's not so. It's like you just do like you do like your five days of work, and like eight days. Like you, you can't fit it all into a week. It's, um, nah. yeah. and procrastination is the worst. It, it's like I would never do an assignment until like a week or maybe the last three four days because I'm like, oh man, I can do this tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow comes. I should have did this yesterday. Hundred percent. Sports, man. Watching sports, NBA, NBA fantasy, rugby, like. Oh no! I might chuck this basketball game on while I type up my honors. That ain't happening. You're not you're not typing up any honors. That basketball game's being watched 100. percent That was very hard out. But what I want, what I have a, like a gripe with is who decided to put exams around NBA finals or the start hey. of the NBA season? Come I know, on, right? man! Every time, mate. And I remember there'd be like like NBA All Star Weekend, and there'd be an assignment due on the Monday. What? <laughs> surely not <laughs> and I'm not doing it earlier than it needs to be done nah and you're like what this is getting done during the dunk contest <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh <laughs> <laughs> oh man so how did the all of the skills that you learned at university and in research help you in your um, mahi up in uh, Hawke's Bay with the concussions um i think like again as much as you learn oh actually number one was excel like how much i learned from microsoft excel in university that's like that was one of the big things like didn't have, i thought you know you think you know how to use a computer and then you come into second year and you pretty much get told that you're like what are you doing like how do you not know this you're you're like a young person i know and people are typing in all these equations so Microsoft Excel, number one. If you're going to university and you want to learn how to do something, 
learn how to do use Microsoft Excel. Um, so that was number one. Number two was just like the people that um, the soft skills, eh? So like how to talk to people, um, how to communicate with like different range of people. Um, yeah, kind of just like as much as I learned about the you know exercise physiology and rehab and the science behind it, it's always like just the conversation you can have with people that are the the most important to and like that to any sort of success. I think is how well you can talk to someone. I got to agree with that too because mm. the way you convey your messages when you're talking to someone will alter how they perceive you really yeah 100%. and it all comes down to how well you can communicate yeah definitely bro so what was that mahi like that you were um doing up there in hawks bay uh it was it was cool eh? so my, i was pretty much i was the only one there in hawks bay from nz rugby so my job was kind of to to get as many clubs teams schools on board with this concussion management protocol that NZ Rugby were trying to roll out. So concussions happen in rugby. New Zealand Rugby were trying to like control for them the best as we could and make sure that people who have a concussion are going to a doctor and getting medically cleared before they come back and play. Um, the issue with that is concussions like a weird injury that no one really knows too much about. No one, like there's some, most of them get better within sort of three to six weeks. But it's these ones that last longer that people are like, no, I don't know. Let's send them to a concussion service. So trying to like essentially get people to see a physio and a GP, do their do their stand down period of twenty one days so they can get back on the field and they don't have like lingering symptoms and don't have like issues down the line. So kind of my job was to liaise with coaches, to like sport coordinators, coach um like club captains. And then go in and, and baseline test them. So you would test their memory, test their balance, test their um, like how they were with numbers, um, and then like their long term memory. So you go in and do all this testing at baseline, and then they get a concussion. You retest them, um, see how the how they respond. If they get within within a close range, then they're all good, as as well as passing like a symptom free test. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like. New Zealand Rugby's way of like controlling for this massive issue of, of concussion. Yeah, because it's, it's a difficult thing to assess because it's not physical. You you can't see it. No, no. It's a, yeah, it's not like a, a broken bone where you just look at some swelling and then be like, oh, swelling's gone down, bruising's gone down, you're good to go. It's like, how are you feeling? I've got a headache or I'm dizzy or, yeah, it's, it's tough. Very tough. It, a lot of the symptoms can kind of be shrugged off. You're like, oh, no, nah, it was all good. You know, I've been drinking because, you know, after a footy game, if you get concussed, you normally wouldn't yeah. tell because you've been on the Terps at night as well. So yeah. celebrating the win or, you know, commiserating the loss and you just, oh, it's a hangover. It should be sweet as we'll just. Exactly, yeah. And you're like, yeah, you're, um, the, a lot of people, as you said, like footy players or even any sport, say they go out, get drunk, don't even realise and then, they might have like these lingering symptoms for a week and they're like, now what's going on? This is weird as like, so yeah, it's kind of um, a gray area in sport. So the more that you can do and the better, a lot of it was like e education with people as well. Like what are the signs and symptoms of, of concussion? Um, so that people know this is what it's like. This is how, what a concussion experience is, is going to be like. Um, so that they're not like freaking out and being like, I've got a seven day hangover. <laughs> 
Varo, because what? Why do you think most? I, I think it's a it's a New Zealand thing, eh? Where we just shrug a lot of things off, like ah, oh, nah, it'll be all right. It'll come. It'll come right. Yeah, definitely, eh? It's like the and even like in my work at the moment, you see people with concussion, and they're like, oh, it'll go away in a bit of time. Like I don't have to change anything, but you're actually like, if you want this to go away, you have to change your whole like outlook on life, or you're gonna have to do something. You have to like cut out some foods or stop drinking or do this and do that. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting injury. So that was kind of cool learning for that. Yeah, bro. That's, that's huge. And cause there's a lot of need for that um, space at the moment too. The brain's it's a very thing. Yeah, man. And you only get one and it doesn't last that long. No, no. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, so that was quite interesting. Lots of learning there, eh? which was cool. Do you have any, like, do you know if there's any correlation between damage done by concussions and if it could be repaired by, you know, learning fine motor control and stuff like that? There's, um, I think, like, reading on, like, the research and stuff, the biggest uh, thing that's going to heal a concussion is, like, time is going to be the number one thing. Like, time heals everything. But also, like, aerobic exercise. So getting people to do a stress test, seeing how they respond to that cardiovascular exercise, like get them on a bike, get them on a treadmill, push them till their symptoms flare up, look at their heart rate at which their symptoms flare up and then prescribe exercise at like 80% of that. So that makes sense? So like, say someone's, get them on a treadmill walking, um, their heart rate gets up to 130 beats and they're like, oh, my headache's just gotten worse or I'm feeling dizzy. Um, at that point, you'll be like, right, that's your threshold at the moment. You're going to do exercise at 120 beats or like about a six or seven out of 10 intensity. And then from there, every couple of weeks, you check in and try and boost that up. And that's supposed to improve your blood flow to the brain, oxygen delivery to the brain and stuff like that. All right. All right, that's interesting. Yeah, so that was one of the things I learned as well, which is kind of carried over into my current work too. So it's been cool. And so, yeah, how, how does all your current mahi, you know, how does all those previous skills that you've learned all integrate into what you're up to now? Um, kind of just like a lot of learning on the job, eh? Um, in the first instance, like, I got thrown in and, and um, in Wellington, kind of the deep end, like working with old people who I hadn't really worked with before. So, like, my oldest client that I had was 100 years old, which is pretty, um, pretty entertaining. There was a like lovely old lady who'd like fractured her um, fractured her ankle, sent a fall, like had fallen over, and um, I just would go to her house and rehab her, and that was kind of like me, not really knowing much about it, and just I know know, know enough about exercise, so let's see how we go. Take her for walks out, help her downstairs, um, and just get her back to doing stuff that she like making herself a cup of tea um, and activities of daily living. So it was kind of like a lot of learning on the job in the first instance, eh? Like okay, I've got these skills from university, it's got me a degree, but um, now it's those soft skills, those like how to how to build trust and build rapport with someone that are like the fundamental things and the key things that you need. Eh? Those I feel like will always um, be beneficial for everyone is those soft skills. 100%. It's the most transferable skill that you could ever learn, I think, anyway, because it's goes in any industry yeah and like when you trying to communicate like knowledge what you're educating someone they're not going to believe you if they don't if you can't communicate it well and if they don't trust you 
So like having the ability to form a relationship with someone is, is so important in the first instance. And then you can go on and be like, okay, now you trust me. Here's what I'm, I've got to say. Like, here's what we're going to do. Because if you just go in like guns blazing, like this is what we're going to do. This one, they're like, nah, I ain't believe in this person. Who is this person? I just meet you. <laughs> Bro, trust is key, man. Especially with the older generation as well. If they yeah. don't trust you, they're not going to buy into anything you say. And they probably won't even do your programs that you set up to help them. Exactly, bro. So, um, no, yeah, I think rapport and trust is like fundamental to any relationship, any job, but particularly the one that I'm currently in at. So, again, comes back to the stuff you kind of learn through your degree. Even though you go sit through like 50 lecture slides, it's about the, um, almost like the relationship that you make with your peers as well and how you deal with your peers um, and the different groups within that. It's quite important too. Hard out. Well, what advice would you have for anyone who um, needs to develop these skills or anyone wanting to develop those uh, communication skills? Um, I reckon that, like, depending on your age, like at a young age, I think I was lucky because my parents are always like getting me involved in different groups or different things. So like um, they'd always encourage me to play as many sports as possible, which I think is a fantastic way to develop any soft skills because you've got to learn how to win, learn how to lose um, graciously um, as best you can. <laughs> you learn to communicate with different ages, like you have a, you have different coaches, so you're dealing with adults um, who are different. You've got people from different schools um, with different abilities, so you're always having to be like, considerate of others so i think sport from a young age is really cool like i did lots of drama and like theatrical stuff growing up as well so again it's a completely different group of people um and then i think it's your family as well that your cousins your aunties your uncles grandparents they're all kind of shape who you're going to be um and then depending on their soft skills that they sort of like pass on to you i guess will influence yours that makes sense yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. Uh, like they say, you're a product of your own environment. Yeah, 100%. Like, you, yeah, you're kind of like the whole, like, behavior equals person times environment. I had to relate it back to a university theory. <laughs> you are a product of your um, the environment of which you grow up in. So I think advice-wise, it would be, like, get involved in as many different groups as you can. Um, with, if you've got access to that, then that's great. Like, I mean, I know that, with sport comes a cost like travel cost and signing up costs but within the best of your ability like i think at school is really great because there's so many opportunities out there and then at university as well there's so many free opportunities um so it's just about kind of taking that taking that leap of faith a little bit and being like this is out of my comfort zone but i'm going to try this out hey if i don't like it what's the worst that can happen i don't go back yeah, yeah. hard out so i think i th- yeah, that's probably my, my biggest advice is just expose yourself to as much as possible when you're young and then that will shape who you are as a person. Yeah, and uh, if you've got cousins and if you've got heaps, let them bully you. It helps thickens the skin. 100%. <laughs> learn, learn to take some shit as well, because eh? you're going to get shit thrown at you throughout yeah. life. So the thicker your skin, the better, the more resilient you are, eh? 100%, man, because I don't think I'd be able to handle half the stuff that get comes my way i can give a hell of a lot but yeah. some of the stuff that comes my way i don't know if i can handle it if i don't have as thick a skin thanks to my cousins <laughs> yeah yeah cousins are good, eh? cousins are good. Yeah. What, do, what do they call it subtle bullying yeah yeah it's like little doses at a time mate. 
yeah, micro bullying. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh man. Also, Fano, if, if you aren't a university student or if you're not planning on going to university, working in the service industry, um, like as a waiter, waitress, uh, bar server, um, whether you work in the checkout at a supermarket or anything, those are great places to build your communication skills because you're forced to talk to people on a regular basis. 100%. I think that's probably like, like at high school, one of my jobs was supermarket working as well. Maybe that's where my um, ability to communicate with the older population was developed because we had a lot of oldies come in and asking their stuff is, and you have to be like, yeah, I'll help you out. And I'll show you where the... Aisle six, man. Aisle six, I told you. Yeah. I remember my like, first question I got asked was this old fella came up and said, where's the Epsom salts, um, which are like for your muscle cramps and stuff and joints. So it's in, it was in the healthcare and beauty section. And I like went looking next to the table salts and... Himalayan salts. Epsom salts. He's like, oh, it's for your muscles and joints. And I'm like, what? So bizarre. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I think definitely like you're right. That hospitality, like in the service industry, is a real good place that you can uh, pick up those skills too. Hard out, and it's not a shameful job, man. Got hey, someone's got to do it. services. What were the only things functioning still eh, during lockdown? That's when you find out who the real important people are. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not uni students. And <laughs> <laughs> right. hey, we carried on. We still did our, um, our lectures. Or our <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bro, I love that. Eh? Just camera off, flick the laptop to the side and just keep chilling. Yeah. 100%. That was dangerous, eh? Bro, it was, it was next level, but I kind of enjoyed it. But at the same time, I did it because I lived in an apartment by myself. So I had like no one to talk to. So the Zooms oh, was it. That was your social time. Yeah. But then um, me and all my mates, we all downloaded GTA. So that was us. Oh, sick. Yeah. <laughs> how, how did your living situation go throughout COVID? So we, um, there were seven of us in the flat. Um, so it was pretty, it was pretty hectic. It was a lot of, um, Tried to get a running club going with the flatmates, didn't really take off. Um, <laughs> lots of like just flat arguments, like because we we're all like real close mates as well. So there was one night <laughs> we were debating with one of my mates. Um, he thought that he had a quicker first step than Michael Jordan, and like <laughs> he was so so set on it. He's like, bro, hundred percent. I got a I got a quicker first step than Michael Jordan. Like I, I beat him on the dribble, and I'm like, we were like. And he's quite a logical guy, this my friend. He was like real, real logical. And we're like, nah, there's no way, bro. Like, we don't have the quicker first And it went on for hours and hours. And he was so set in stone. So we like have debates, played a lot of 2K, um, drunk a lot of berry smoothies, drunk a lot of beer, played a lot of beer pong, like dressed up in weird stuff. Like we just, yeah, it, it, it was a weird time. It was, it was good fun. I definitely yeah. like with fond memories. It's definitely what you made of it, eh? Yeah. It's definitely what you made of it. And it's My cool. second lockdown was way better. Was it? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Because I feel like there's a lot of people who had tough times as well, eh? Like, through lockdown. So, yeah, it was just, um, it was an interesting time because there was people who had, like, time in their lives and people who were, who, were, who were battling through it too. Yeah, I'm definitely thankful mine was as good as it could be. Yeah. yeah. Well... We're, we've reached the time of the show, man. Where, where we do some some little fun things. I've got I've got this uh, sneaker box down here. We call it the Dream Deposit Box, and um, 
it, it, it's a Trey Young sneaker box. It says on the on the front of the box, always remember when they doubted you. I love that sentiment. And so in here, every guest that has come on has shared their dreams and put them inside this box. Hey, so this isn't where dreams go to die. This is just where we store them until people achieve them. Nice. And then hopefully, as people start to achieve them, we can pin them up the back there and... Um, where I've got 99 Dreams artwork, we can start pinning people's dreams up, whether it be a photograph of their dream, uh, whether it be you know a signed document saying, I made it. Yeah. And um, I'll give you a few examples of what people put down, and then we'll compare them to what I wrote in here initially. It's, oh, no. it's a bit of a laugh. Yeah. Mine were super superficial. <laughs> you need those dreams. We have. Oh, exactly, exactly. Um, we've got from... Uh, Jackie Long, he wants to be a future co-host of the 99 Dreams. That's one of his dreams. Nice, bro. It's a a big dream, though, of Jackie. (laughs) He said said it's a dream. He wants it to happen. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if that can uh, work out. Jack Nelson wants to work for Sport New Zealand. Nice. Um, What else? Um... Danny Douglas wants to graduate and walk the streets of Dunedin. Um, Bear King, aka Barry Burden, he just wants to reach thirty. He's currently twenty six or twenty seven, and his dream is just to reach thirty. Nice. Um, some of mine, <laughs> my first ever one that I threw in here was I wanted to own a McLaren, the, the car. Yeah, nice. so so trash compared to everyone else's dreams. Yeah. <laughs> But more recently, I've put in there, I uh, would like to finish my master's thesis that I started yeah. two years ago now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, my most recent one that I put in here was to um, win Māori host for the New Zealand Podcast Awards this hey, year. that's a cool so, thing. So we, we're going to try and hopefully, you know, this time next year, we've got the Māori host podcast award drilled up back there. That'd be sick. Hard out. So what what uh, dream or dreams do you have? Does Ashton have? This is tough, eh? I think uh, high school Ashton would have been, um, my dream would have been to work for High Performance Sport New Zealand. Um, but I think on my journey, my dream now is probably like, to, I'll give you like, I'll try and give you like a, maybe an unattainable dream and then a dream that I think. I want to achieve so kind of like yeah. my but my goal is a dream would be that um everyone in the world before they um get like prescribed any medication or um surgery or anything like that would have to um hit the ex- exercise recommendations um eat their five plus a day get their seven to nine hours of sleep um, and be actively pursuing something for their mental health. Um, and if they tick, tick those boxes and they still need a medication or still need a surgery, then they could have it. But they had that, everyone had to have that in check first. So it's kind of like that holistic health is in check. That's my dream for the world. My dream for me is to one day probably have um, the titles Dr. Ashton Terrell on my, um, on my email signature. I did my PhD at some point, so with I'm not sure what that would be in, but something to do with helping the environment and helping people um, would be pretty cool. So try and put that on a bit of paper. I'm sorry about that. 
No, no, that's that's perfect. So I kind of uh, summarized it. So your uh, achievable dream, get a PhD one day. Can, can you see that? Yeah, right. Not quite. Um, so we'll throw that in there. I have the most terrible handwriting, by the way, Fano. Sorry about that. And then your first one, which I quite like, um, I wrote people should at least attempt to live a healthy lifestyle with healthy habits pre-medication and surgery. Yeah, perfect, bro. Love it. Those are great dreams, brother. I love that. Especially that last one, because not everything, but most injuries and um, medicated injuries are preventable through exercise and living healthier habits. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I think sometimes that that route of surgery and medication can lead to more issues, so everything in check give that a good chance and things should fix themselves 100 percent, especially with the medication thing because that could lead to you know increased addiction yeah. and reliance on that pill yeah. even though you know your injury's gone now but you've just become reliant on that to make you feel some type of way yeah but nah bro those are those are amazing dreams and i hope to one day Get us a photo of you when you when you graduate with a PhD, bro, awesome. and we'll stick that up on the on the back wall there, amongst the rest of the superstar dreams that every everyone has come on here and shared. Because man, there's some powerful dreams in that box, and I hope all the previous Fano members that have come on don't you know give up on those dreams because they're amazing. Next, we have uh, another question for you: as if we could go back and tell. let's go with 17 year old Ashton you know if you could sit face to face with 17 year old Ashton give him a piece of advice or just just tell him anything would you wouldn't you and what would you say that's the I was gonna have a piece of advice until you just said wouldn't you and I reckon that I'd just be like leave it as it is because everything's happened for a reason it's it's all happened for the for a purpose so I'll probably just leave it but if you hadn't said that, I would have said, um, do wood technology to get some skills, like, so you can fix something at home if you need to. Because I feel like my uh, my skills, like, I always have a little bit of admiration for tradies who so can just fix up at the house. So I'm like, probably should have done woodwork an extra year at high school. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, me too. Like, I'd painted that back wall behind us because yeah. the previous wall was terrible but if you look close if, if you ever are in Taranaki bro I'll show you the room it's, yeah. it's terribly done so I'm with you man I yeah, wish I did I some kind of handiwork that's me bro yeah maybe you should um sign up for the next season of the block <laughs> yeah man well touching on the um not wanting to give any advice to yourself what is the importance of you know just enjoying the process and you know trust in the process that in the end everything will be okay i think it's just like i'm just real big believer in that everything happens for a purpose in it and that's that's going to lead you somewhere on the journey like sounds kind of like philosophical and deep but yeah i think that everything in your life happens to make you to shape who you are as a person so whether that yeah, but sort of like leads you on your path and you go through stuff that you need to go through and then you'll end up where you need to go sort of thing. And there's no nothing that you should do to try and change that and just take things in its stride. Um, again, it's easier said than done, but 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think if I could go back in time and tell myself something, I would say maybe hold off on the masters. <laughs> yeah, true that. No. Yeah, like when you get to the fourth year uni and you've done your honours, don't do masters. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, save yourself the trouble. Don't write anything yet. Collect all your data and then write so you don't have to rewrite your whole thesis yeah. month out. <laughs> oh, and then on the other side of that coin, instead of talking to your younger self, if you could leave a message here for your future self in five to ten years to look back on this video or this audio clip on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, all that kind of stuff, mm. what would you tell yourself? Probably say um, that you need to like keep following or keep pursuing what you feel is important, and that might change. So you might what what you value will change throughout your life, but keep pursuing what you think is important. Um, because it's probably for the right reasons. And I remember getting told that by one of my old bosses is like, um, follow your heart because it's, it's a good one or something like that. And I'm always just like sticking by that. Like, even though I might question myself at the time, but maybe that's not the right thing. If my heart's leading me in that direction, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll follow that. It's probably going to lead me in the right, the right way. Oh, I rate that. I rate that. that that's a great say. Mm. Um, yeah, nah, hard. Well, you kind of can't uh, go against where your heart's trying to lead you, eh? Because yeah. that's just what you feel is right in that moment. Yeah, I read that. That's beautiful, man. That's amazing. Um, another another question that I that I have from the bank uh, of people that I ask, what should I ask? Is have you had any moments where you've been fearful, like um, anywhere in this journey of your moves to Auckland? Have you have you been fearful, or even to university? So. Definitely, bro. Like every, I think with with what with what you pick up at university in life is you become a critical thinker. So you're always weighing up options. Like, is this the right option? Is this the right time? So I think every decision, every time I moved, or you know, you quit a job and start a new one, or you do this, you you're kind of like questioning it. So there's always a little bit of fear and anxiety around that, and um, just like thinking, oh, should I be doing this, or am I on the wrong path? Should I maybe quit what I'm doing all together and start up something different or I think it's yeah there's definitely fear involved and it's just about like I don't know how people manage it but think about pros and cons um think about your why as to why you're doing it um and then normally it kind of comes back to like listen to your heart as well and then trusting that your instincts are going to lead you in the right direction with some guidance from other people probably as well nice yeah because I find that obviously when everything that you do, especially starting this, putting this out on a social platform, um, I find that sometimes I need fear to keep me active and refreshed. I yeah. feel like having an aspect or an element of fear in your life on a consistent basis just keeps you sharp, keeps your mind sharp because, like you said, you got to have all those analytical moments where you're logically yeah. thinking about the, the A's, the B's, the pros, the cons, and how to get to Z without... Yeah messing up your own image or um, yeah. ruining any relationships that you have along the way. 100%. Yeah. So what's something you do to keep yourself in a, not in a constant state of fear, because that's yeah. just miserable, but what do you do to keep sort of the mind sharp and keep a little bit of fear in your life? I think it's, um, like for me, like my learning is, as I learn a lot when I'm wrong, and I learn a lot when I'm like in, in situations where I feel a bit uncomfortable. So it's just being like, 
what I probably do is is try to not put myself in uncomfortable situations, but be all right when I am there. Like know that okay, that was that was shit at the time, but it's a massive learning moment, and I'm going to benefit from that. Um, so probably yeah, just as hard as it is at the time, being like okay, I screwed up there, learning from it. Don't be fearful of that. You'll learn for it, and you won't make that same mistake again because it's stuck in your brain. Like that was so that was traumatizing. Like I'm not going to make that mistake. So yeah, just, mistakes are the best day. Eh? Yeah, just kind of, and and yeah, it comes back to like embracing the journey. Like you're on a journey, you're there to learn. You're going to be wrong. No one's perfect. Everyone's feeling just as fearful and anxious as you are. Like just just get stuck in it. Hundred percent, man. Because there's beauty in mistakes there's beauty in failure like as much as you try to avoid failure and not all failure is there to teach you a lesson some just sucks and it just happens to happen but there's beauty in mistakes and that that moment of fear helps you get over it like i have an immense fear of heights and i think that's one thing i can never get over but hell if you take me skydiving i'll probably do it just to push myself to yeah, do yeah. something that I'd freeze up. I exactly right. yeah, I can't do heights. The sky tower was miserable enough. Oh, the we like glass bit where you stand on. You do that, yeah, man. Nice, yeah. Even peeking over like the the main windows, I like try and look over, and I will just get uneasy in the knees. And uh, nah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you have any fears like that that are kind of? I got a um like irrational fear of birds, eh? So. It's been from a young age. I don't know where it developed from. Don't know where it came from. But um, I think, yeah, I've got this irrational fear of birds. And I've been on a few, like, bike rides or runs. And I get, like, <laughs> over by, like, seagulls or magpies. And it's like, I go on to free, like, fight and flight mode. Like, I'm ready to take on this bird. I'm coming near me. I'm throwing hands, like, back away. Or I'm, like, pedaling as fast as I can, like, get me out of the situation. So <laughs> irrational fear of birds, bro. Not, not happy to admit oh. it, but that's my fear. Bro, it, it sucks when you got those kind of ones. Do you go to like um, Avery's? Is it called Avery where all the birds oh, are just it. in like a cage and you just hang out there? Maybe I, should go on, maybe I should do a bit of exposure therapy. Yeah? Like just get in there and sit amongst the birds and meditate or something. I don't know. <laughs> While they just swoop at you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I've never had birds swoop at me, man. I think if I did, then I'd probably have a fear of the birds. But I, I, I've never had them swoop at me, thank I God. Reckon, uh, I've got a theory that they can smell my fear. They already know I'm scared. So it's <laughs> attacked this weakling. Let's go for him. Um, Look, there he is, the guy that's scared of birds. <laughs> Dive bombing. <laughs> yeah, man, oh, man, that's crazy. But, yeah, I find um, heights terrifying. And I kind of try and push myself up and down heights whenever I can, just to try. I've never been able to get over it though. Like it sticks around, eh? It's just about living with it a little bit, eh? Like, don't let it interrupt. Don't let it interrupt your everyday life. Like, avoid heights if you have to. Avoid birds if you have to. But <laughs> just do what you need to do. But fly, eh? Hundred percent. But like, I can fly all good, like in a plane. Oh, true. No worries. Yeah. Fuzzy, eh? Yeah. Just make sure you got aisle seat, eh? So you can't see the window. <laughs> I love the window, man. I'm looking out. I can do all of that, but it's it's when I I don't know when I feel like I don't have control when I'm exposed to heights. That's yeah. what I'm. Nah, it's man. It's really weird. So it's, leaning it's over things, right? When you lean out over the edge, and you're like, shit. 
Yeah, no, nah, can't do that. Can't do that. Just thinking about it is making me tense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right, that's hectic. But nah, man, as we start wrapping up the show, is there anything you want to say before we, we wrap up and let you get on with the rest of your day? Uh, no, not really. I just like love, I just want to say again, like, thanks for having me on. I love the concept of the 99 Dreams, and I just hope that it, um, your own dreams and then obviously the more people that come on their dreams like come to fruition because eh? it's something that yeah it's nice to have like end goals in sight so as long as we keep pushing that like good agenda then hopefully the manifestation of this podcast will help some people like um yeah have their dreams turn into realities hard out i feel like talking it out loud as well helps you realize like oh shit it is a possibility mm. i just got to do a few things to get there yeah definitely bro but i just want to thank you so much man for coming on supporting the show and and you know giving up some time to come and chat with us for a bit it's been an amazing quarter brother and i I love to see what you're up to it's amazing where you are at the moment man how how good just a young fella from clutha making it all the way up to the real big smoke i know bro i'm a jeffer now eh (laughs) as long as you're not a turncoat like your flatmate yeah yeah no way mate I go through and through, brother. Good shit. <laughs> oh, man. But no, nah, I'm super thankful, super grateful to have you on the show, bro. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. you too, um, I'm in Auckland soon, too. I said I'll catch up with Hayden. So if you're around, um, we'll try to link up at the same time. Yeah, mate. We'll go, go out for a beer or something. 100%. Yeah. Well, Fano, thank you so much for listening. Um, this is Ashton. I'll leave all the social media and contact information down below for you guys to check it out. But don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And until next time, Fano, Modi order, take care. Kakete. <laughs>